Hi, my name is Case Roberts, and I want to welcome you to the Huddle Up podcast hosted by my parents, Chris and Sarah Roberts. Huddle Up as we talk about God's story, our stories, and yours. Welcome to Season 2 of Huddle Up. We're coming out strong with this first couple, Kenyatta and Amber Wright. Kenyatta was a four-year starter at linebacker for Oklahoma State University and played five years in the NFL for the Bills and the Jets. After his playing career was over, the Wrights moved back to Oklahoma where Kenyatta coaches and works for FCA, while his wife Amber opened her own clothing store. One of the things that we loved about this episode with the Wrights is their wisdom when it comes to parenting. I'm telling you guys, you are going to be encouraged, but before we get into their story, let's get into God's. All right, so a few years ago, we had the privilege to attend Super Bowl 49 in Phoenix, Arizona. It was an awesome experience, and uh, but but one thing that, that happened a lot of people don't know. So just kind of to, to set it up, uh, probably Sarah's favorite thing is, is we got to go to the honors awards show the, the night NFL before. The NFL honors with the dressing up and the red carpet, and it was awesome, a place that we did not belong. <laughs> yeah, and that was, and you were way more excited than that than probably the game, but I mean, like the stress of picking out the dress, it was, ah, it, was it was a real ordeal. It was, it was awesome. So, but it was, it was a great, it was a great experience. But so when you get on the red carpet, everybody's taking your picture and I, I don't know why they took ours, but they did. And, and so we're, we're on the red carpet and we had this opportunity. We had gotten to know Deion Sanders. And so he was very outgoing and just how Dion is. And he was great to our family. And so we're walking on the red carpet we see Dion again. I'm gonna let you take it from there. Well, I <laughs> I would never say that I am get overly excited about meeting famous people, but um, something took over me. It's the red carpet that day. It was the it was the red carpet. I was supposed to pretend like I belonged, and I I didn't in this moment. So Dion sees us and he comes over to us and he brings with him this beautiful lady that I recognized and I was so super excited about. And I just blurted out without even thinking, oh my gosh, Samantha Ponder, it is so nice to meet you. I am a huge fan. You're my absolute favorite. I mean, I lost my freaking so, mind. So yeah, she she was crazy. She was temporar temporarily <laughs> insane. You went all fangirl. I did. I was like, who am I? It got awkward. But little did I know it's going to get a little bit more awkward. <laughs> it did, you guys. It did. Um, so as soon as I get done saying that and going all fangirl, Dion Sanders starts laughing and says, I would like to introduce you to my NFL co-host, Melissa Stark. <laughs> and I, you guys, I wanted to crawl in a hole in that moment. I was so embarrassed. But to my defense, if you guys look up Melissa Stark and Samantha Ponder, they look ridiculously so much alike. Well, you want to crawl in a hole. I could not stop laughing. <laughs> it's true. And I don't think he has six years well, later. And, and your face turned about as red as your dress. It so did. Oh my gosh, you guys. It was it was awful. I I I I just wanted to Crawl in a hole because in that moment, I ruined the moment by opening my mouth. And I would love to say that that's the first time that that has ever happened. My mouth has ruined a moment. 
But I was encouraged by Peter um, when I was reading the the story of the transfiguration. It, it's a story that many people um, know, but don't really understand. It's actually a time where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John on a mountain. He transforms right in front of them. It really is a, a beautiful story, and it takes place in Luke chapter 9, verse 28. And what Peter did, I can so relate to him in this moment. And um, it says about eight days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white. And suddenly two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. You see, Peter had and the others had fallen asleep. But when they woke up, they saw Jesus's glory and the two men standing with him. As Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, Peter, not even knowing what he was saying, blurted out, Master, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them. And then a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice was finished, Jesus was there alone. See, when Peter saw something great before him, his reaction was, I need to do something. I need to say something. He didn't even know what he was saying, yet he blurted out, let's make three shelters. But I love that God didn't even acknowledge what Peter said because he wanted Peter to focus on who Jesus was. Like Peter, when God is trying to show us something big, we can get uncomfortable, impatient, and start interjecting our own thoughts and ideas, making it small. Jesus didn't need a shelter. Peter needed Jesus. And so do we. Friends, I'm here to encourage you. God has it. Whatever you need, he has it. We can get so busy doing and saying that we miss just being, being with our God, being with our family, being with our spouse. This would mean giving up control and stop trying to do much and just be more. The more we try to be God and control, the more we try to build a shelter for God or call Melissa Stark, Samantha Ponder. And it never ends well. All right. So welcome to the show, Kenyatta and Amber Wright. I mean, we, we are super excited to have you guys. You guys are our first guests of our second season. So welcome to Huddle Up. Thank you. We're glad to be on here. Yes, we're excited. Well, the first thing that we always do is um, we have a little bit of an icebreaker. So the, we ask you three questions. First, how did you meet? Second, how many years have you been married? And third, tell us about your family. There you go. Yeah, I'll go where, where do, we met at Lake Ten Killer. Uh, we have mutual friends that I was on the south side of the lake and she's on the north side of the lake. And um, we met at a birthday party and she figured, you know, she'd been reading in the papers about me forever. So um, <laughs> she, had to, she had to come to the South side and, and find her bow. I had no do you idea. want to share, do you want to share your version now, Amber? <laughs> Let me go ahead and share mine. Um, we did meet through mutual friends at the lake when I think I was like eighth grade and he was in ninth grade. Um, but we had a lot of mutual friends. So like we would see each other a lot, like on the weekends or um, cheerleading competitions. He always seemed to show up at my cheerleading competitions. Really weird. Mm, truth comes out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK, 
Okay, so then how many years have you all been married? 21, half your life. <laughs> and I just had a reminder that. That's right. <laughs> and tell, tell us a little bit about your family. Um, we have four kids. We have Alexis. Um, she is home with us right now. She's taken a year off of college and she's working in our store in Ryan. Um, we have Elijah that's at UCO and um, he's playing football, but they obviously didn't get to do that this year. So he's there just working out, enjoying life. And um, we have Solomon that's a senior and he will be going to Arkansas next year. So he's there doing virtual right now. He's virtual but we're ready to send him back to school and um, Avery is in eighth grade and she's playing basketball right now and um, our school right now is going virtual one week and then um, at school one week and so I am so thankful for her little like she's the get up and go like kind of girl she gets it all done and I'm like God blessed us with one of those because the other ones aren't is that what you're saying <laughs> so what you're really saying is Alexis is your favorite is that what you're saying? I agree. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Avery. Avery is your favorite. <laughs> okay, Alexis, if you're hearing, you and, and you heard, you're here parents, you heard it right here. Avery is their favorite. <laughs> All right, so switch gears a little bit. So this is Super Bowl week, Super Bowl 55 LV. Um, do you have a favorite Super Bowl like you remember watching or one that sticks out or – well, for me, um, I mean, all of my friends were Cowboys fans growing up and Kansas City Chiefs, so, you know, I'll have to go against them. So I was a big uh, 49ers fan um, growing up. But any all the 49ers uh, Super Bowl memories were great for me. I don't really have a specific game um, except when they did get to play the Cowboys. And, uh, you know, obviously the 49ers were the better team during the season all the time. So... Um, but I just like all the 49ers memory. Joe Montana, you know, Jerry Rice, and especially when Dion got to go to the 49ers. That was awesome, too. But, yeah, I love the 49ers. So what about um, you, you did play for the Bills and the Jets, and there was a certain quarterback in that league uh, when you there in, in your division. Uh, named Tom Brady, who's playing the Super Bowl yeah. this week. Do, do See, you, if you play quarterback, you can play for 40 years. <laughs> Do you have like a uh, do you have a Tom Brady story? Did did you ever sack him? Did you ever trash talk him? Did he trash talk you? How, how was it play? I mean, I know it's early in his career, right? And and I remember like when uh, Drew Bledsoe obviously got hit and by Mo Lewis, who was at the Jets, and I remember all of that time. And then they were talking about this, you know, Tom Brady. And um, back then, you're like, man, man, they don't have Drew Bledsoe. We about to kill them, but. <laughs> And uh, so I remember, remember playing uh, Tom back then. It's just like he had so much command of the system way back then as a second-year player. Um, wow. I was a rookie when he got to come in, but it, he was just amazing then. And the Patriots obviously have been go good for so long, but you can tell like there was a different type of, of leadership and different type of player when he got in a game. Obviously, you know, Drew Bledsoe was really good back then. Yeah, I mean, football right. quarterback and – 
led the Patriots, and then you get this um, six-round draft pick come in and named Tom Brady, and all these guys are kind of looking up to him. It's like, man, there was something special about him. We just didn't know what it was, but right. now everyone does. That's amazing that you could see that then, though. And, yeah. And then obviously what he turned out to be. Which is crazy because, you know, we, we – last season we had his current quarterback coach on the podcast – um, with the Buccaneers. And that's one of the things that he said that he brought to Tampa Bay was his professionalism now. And you're saying you saw it um, in his ago. early years yeah. then. Wow. So that's, that's, that's amazing. That's cool. So, like I said, you were at the Bills and the Jets. What was like, what's the best thing about being a pro athlete? And on the flip side, what is the hardest? Um, I think one of the, the best sides of it is like when you grow up and you're a little kid and you had those dreams as a football player to, to make it, you know, mm -hmm. and coming from a little small 2A school, I mean, no one ever thinks you can do it. And um, that's it's gratifying. Like the first time that I ever ran out of the tunnel, my whole thing was just like, don't trip and fall. There's going to be 80,000 <laughs> people looking at you on Sunday night football or whatever. But um, the greatest thing was just being able to be in the locker room with those guys. And then on the flip side of that, one of the greatest disappointments of the NFL is like you grow up with community from your little league to high school to college. And then you get to the pros and it's like you desire that community, but you're so segmented and split apart because it's actually a job. I mean, it's actually yeah. you have to do your role better than anyone else does on Sunday. So it's like, OK, these guys are so connected and you really don't have a lot of community. It's not really they try to make it a team but it's yeah. so hard to have that community like you do at the other levels sure. of football you know and, and you I mean, that was that. kind of disappointing yeah, yeah. you don't you, that's now the part that of that play that's the part of the pro sports you don't hear yeah. is the, the lack of community that is there because it's so cutthroat right yes it, it is and that's what you look at it now I mean you don't see it when you're playing but now when you look at it and look at um, being in a locker room in the NFL team, it's like, I mean, it is a job. I mean, there's everyone is looking, obviously, to replace you every day. I mean, <laughs> to fit, find a piece of the puzzle that works for their team to get to the Super Bowl. And um, that part of the game really, I think, takes away from the community of a locker room. Mm. Yeah, it's good and point. it's tough. It's yeah, really that, that sounds tough. It's, I mean, the locker room, that's the, like you said, that's one of the best parts about being exactly. in sports is the locker room. Mm. Yeah. Well, Amber, you, you didn't really get to experience any of the warm places of <laughs> the NFL. You, you, you guys were in like two of the coldest areas. I'm surprised you guys didn't end up with the Packers at some point in time. <laughs> um, what is something people may not know about the NFL wife life? Um, I mean, I, we never struggled. I mean, we, we obviously struggled, you know, we were young married, but it was, it was hard being away from my mom. It was hard being away from, um, I mean, we weren't even, uh, my mom couldn't drive to us. Um, it was hard just leaving everything we knew and being just her. I mean, it was me, you know, and Alexis for um, a whole year by ourselves, you know, in Buffalo, New York, where the snow would just, I mean, it was so overwhelming. It was so cold and just being like, I mean, it, we're, we got to make it, you know, we're here together, like we along and I can't go home and, you know, so, and I think God put us in that situation for a reason, you know, that, right. you know, um, we had to learn to love each other and we had to learn to, 
communicate regardless. But also he was talking about like there wasn't a community, but Buffalo actually did have the best, best yeah. community. We yeah. had um, dinner um, with other couples and, and we had a really good leader of what was the program? The um, athletes in action. Athletes in action. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the best leaders and they, we would have dinner like every Wednesday night. And so that was a small community for the wives. We had a wives Bible study on like Mondays. And so that was my um, time to grow and to understand how to be married and how to, um, you know, the submission thing was Amber's hardest thing that ever <laughs> hit her. And so I learned so much through the older wives there. And so I think the hardest thing is just learning to to, to deal with what you've been handed, you know, like it's, it's not a normal, I rem, I know people talking about, you know, like we struggled so much when we were first married, we had to, you know, fully depend on each other just because we, we didn't have money and we didn't, well, we had money and we had all these things, but we didn't know what to do with it. You know, we were like, okay, well, money's not an issue, but we're still having issues. So what's going on? <laughs> so you're telling <laughs> us that money, money- doesn't solve everybody's problem. No. Is that Who what knew? you're saying? Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy because I love hearing you guys say that no matter if you're a pro athlete or you're a high school coach, which you are now, right? Um, and FCA staff is you still, no matter what level, you need community, you need connection, and you need communication. Yeah. I mean, those are three top things that every marriage, every family, um, anybody that we, that we need and so desperately were created, um, by God to, to need. So those are, those are three awesome points right yeah, there. That was fantastic. So now, like you alluded to, you're entering a different part of life. You have two kids, um, uh, playing college football or, or one at the university of central Oklahoma. Uh, you got one getting ready to be at the university of Arkansas and, just kind of, you know, talk about going through that process as, as parents, you know, you know, Kenyatta, you played at Oklahoma State University and how is what they've gone through different than what you went through? Well, I mean, obviously recruiting is so different now and, um, and trying to navigate through that, thinking that you know what to do and know how to help your kids and um, it was it was really it was some very high points and it's some really really low points uh, for our family during recruiting and one of the lowest points I think during that really made me mad and kind of frustrated me with coaches at the next level and it was a personal experience it was because you know Elijah kind of grew up wanting to go to Oklahoma State and play there and I've tried telling him his whole life like don't do that you know you don't want to go there and all that type of because I wanted them to pave their own way you know and that that was in the forefront of my mind but at the same time as it was it was his dream Mm -hmm. to go there and he's going into his junior year and his little old brother who don't really care about football he just plays and uh just you know he don't know who we play on Friday and uh, he (laughs) just shows up and he's a wrecking ball you know but yeah yeah, Thursday he don't know who we playing tomorrow so (laughs) Uh, he just shows up. It don't really matter to him. But Elijah, I mean, he's real detail oriented, and um, they come. Oklahoma State comes, and you know, have them both in there and talk to him. Where they offer his little brother, and not offer the big brother, and it it broke him. I mean, he just felt like he wasn't worthy enough, and 
all that stuff. And it was, it was really a tough time. And heck, he sat on the couch for three days and cried. And I didn't really think it would bother him that much, but it truly did. And he felt just like he wasn't good enough. And I, I had to, we, it took us a while to just, you know, tell him like, hey, it's not, that's not what it's about. I mean, God has a different plan for you. And your plan is your own. It's not Solomon's plan. It's not mm-hmm. Oklahoma State's plan. It's your plan. I mean, and God will show you where you need to be at it. And I try to tell you, you know, your whole life, it's not just Oklahoma State, you know. And yeah. um, so that was one of the toughest times. And and uh, to see, you know, because Solomon's younger and Elijah was older and all these schools are wanting his younger brother and kind of passing over him a little bit. And uh, we dealt with that for a while, but it, it ended up good and where he needed to be at. And, um, but you know, for, and I had to just pretty much shut off Solomon's recruiting and tell those coach, don't call our house. Don't call me. We're not going, I'm not going to talk about it around Elijah. If they do call, I had all the coaches not talk around it. Cause it was tough, you know? Yeah. Wow. And mama bear, you came out, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. That was the thing. It was hard for or Solomon on the other hand, like yeah. we were trying to protect Elijah, but then we were having to downplay the excitement for Solomon. So it was hard, you know, like we, we wanted to be excited for him and, and it's a big deal for yeah. him, but then, but we didn't want to talk about it. You know, like we didn't want to, we, I remember coming home from Tulsa and we were at a toll and this lady like looks in her car. She's like, Jake, are you, did you just get offered by Oklahoma? And I'm like, we're rolling up the window. Like, <laughs> oh, we're, we're not going to talk about that right now. You know, like, <laughs> Um, okay, because you've got one kid that you want to be so excited about, but you kind of have to harness that excitement because of the other one. Gosh, what a, what a, just a hard spot to be put in as, as parents. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I don't want to get too personal, but how about um, Elijah and Solomon? How about their relationship? How was it during this time and how is it now? It was, uh, I mean, their relationship is stronger than I ever thought it was. Mm-hmm. And I've never, we never experienced them being apart. And this, and just to kind of go with that, when Elijah left and went to college, like Solomon pretty much went into depression for a little while and couldn't perform like he wanted to without his brother being there. And it was like, wow. it was crazy because we didn't really understand it. And we didn't really know what was going on with them. It just like, and, and, it was, and it wasn't just Solomon. It was like some of our other football players. It's kind of like, man, we took this alpha male out of the locker room that we really didn't even know was a big part of these young boys developing. And whenever he left, like, it was kind of like, you know, they were all struggling. They I mean, all they, they all mourned Elijah was leaving. And Solomon, for a long time, didn't, he didn't really tell us. But like he was not right, and we didn't really we didn't know that their relationship was that strong, and so I had to kind of coach Elijah up, like, man, please check in with your brother, <laughs> communicate with them. I mean, I know that's your little brother, but y'all gotta you gotta go through this together and be strong for each other. And um, their relationship now is probably stronger than ever, you know. Yeah, and it was really um, it was really good to see, you know, how close they were. Um, and during that, when Elijah was hurting and, you know, Solomon, he didn't care that we weren't, you know, he wanted yeah. to downplay it too. Like he wanted, you know, yeah. he didn't want him to hurt and he knew what was going on. And, and he would say to me, like, let's just not talk about it. Let's just not, you know, and, and I'm like, I know that, but I want you to understand this is a big deal. You know what I, I mean? Yeah, you, yeah. You've earned this. And, and I mean, so their relationship is, I think always been, and, and it's really funny because Elijah's so much smaller than Solomon's, <laughs> but he still has that like 
Solomon's still scared of him. You know what I mean? Like he got that bluff in early and I'm like, you're like twice his size. Why are you letting him talk to you like that? You know, like not, I mean, just when they're playing around and stuff, but I'm like, it's really funny that he's the older brother. And I mean, he just, yeah. I love that he was unselfish to say, I don't want to talk about this either. I, I care more about my brother than, than the conversation about me. That says something that I think we all desire for our kids' relationships to have amongst themselves. Yeah, just the relationship that's going to build for them going forward. Uh, right. It's going to be incredible. Wow. Okay, well, Kenyatta, you are on FCA staff, which Fellowship of Christian Athletes staff in Oklahoma. So we're, we're going to kind of move into the faith aspect of things. And, and you guys have alluded a lot to God's plan, you know, when it came to Elijah and God's plan when you guys were in Buffalo. But when did faith actually become important to you as an athlete and then as a coach and, and, and as a family? Well, I think for us, um, early on in our life was that we got, we kind of got discipled when we didn't know we were getting discipled by some couples in Tahlequah, um, Amber's hometown. And um, those, those two families, along with a family here in Vianne, they kind of helped us um, just navigate kind of through life by just watching them and not really having a whole bunch of, you know, scriptures or words or um, it's just how they lived as followers of Christ. And so I always kind of go back to that time in our marriage and in our life that it's not really just like kind of show me, but you have to live. I mean, you have to mm -hmm. live a certain way and you have to um, act, not just act a certain way, but you have to live according to what God's plan is for our family and for the people that he brings into your life. And if you're not molded that way, it's easily to kind of go astray from um, what is really, you know, what really is transformational in other people's lives, not just your own, it's the people around you. And that's kind of where early, probably later, whenever I was about to retire, that I knew that God's purpose for us was not only to, I mean, I love coaching, but at the end of the day, it took me a while to realize that, man, God's plan for my life is to coach hearts. And mm. um, it's, you know, it's easy to coach X's and O's for me. I mean, for Chris, probably too, as well. It's easy for that side of it. The most challenging thing is know that God has given you these young men to mold and to know that whatever you teach them today is how they're going to respond tomorrow. And so that's, that was one of the things that was really, you know, enlightening to me. And really a lot of it was because the way I seen some coaches treat players and, yeah. um, and that, and it hurt, you know, cause it mm -hmm. felt like, you know, that rough coach that you don't like, it felt like that all over again is like, man, why does God got me here? And it's really to defend their hearts and, and, and to teach their hearts. So, um, I think that's been how it started and kind of where it ended up as a coach. And man, I've, I've had some rough days with some kids because I mean, they're, we all, they're knuckleheads everywhere, but they know <laughs> that I love them. And that's, that's the thing that that's it. hard that's right. for me to communicate at first, because I grew up in a family, like you don't, I mean, you shake hands and you don't hug, you, don't, you know, men didn't do any of that stuff. And, and like, it's took me a long time to really um, embrace um, that connection, you know, with, with, with my football players and with my, my own sons and with my wife too. So, um, that was huge for me to really realize that. And we knew early on, like our boys were so different that <laughs> you can't coach everybody the same. And, and we all, we had that conversation a lot. Like 
Um, because our boys would go with him, you know, when he would coach football in Muskogee. And um, Elijah's one that you you can't yell at him. He doesn't hear that. He he shuts down. And Solomon doesn't hear yelling. At all. He doesn't hear anything. So, um, just knowing how different they were, each kid on the football field is not going to be able to be coached the same way. And 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 I I was reading a book when my kids were little, and it was um, the quote from Tony Evans, and he says, "Roles without a relationship equal rebellion." And so I always understood, like, I can be their mom and still not have a relationship with them. He can be their dad and still not have a relationship with them. And, and so we would always talk about that. Like you have to, that relationship has to be there before you lay down the rules and, and before you start yelling things at them that they don't care about, Mm -hmm. um, you have to have their heart. And so that was one thing that we knew early. And I was so thankful that Kenyatta always, um, loved them first. I mean, like his first time he coached Muskogee, like I remember we were at Solomon's soccer game and he caught, he gets a call from one of his players and is like, I got to go help somebody move their family. They need a new, you know, and I'm like, he knew Kenyatta's number to call him. And that was most important to me was like, mm. he knew who to call on the weekend, you know, and, yeah. and Kenyatta, and, and what broke my heart was like, this is Kenyatta. Kenyatta's just stepped into this role. So who was he going to call if Kenyatta wasn't there? You know, like that's, that's important in, in every team, you know, like they have to have somewhere to call. They have to know on the weekend, Kenyatta still loves them and cares, not just on Friday night when he needs them to perform, you know. And I have, a, I have a feeling, Amber and Kenyatta, that your house is the house between <laughs> all of your kids and the team. And I know Amber's gift of hospitality um, and she's kind of a mom to everybody. Um, I have a feeling you all's house is a never ending door of people it's coming. Revolving door. Revol- coming thank you. Revolving <laughs> door coming and going. Is that right? It is. And we, we wouldn't want it any other way. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so fun. It is. So not only that, so like you said, you have four kids, obviously different schedules. You have this revolving door at your, at your house with, with players coming in and out. You have your own clothing business. Um, how are you intentionally keeping Jesus in the center of your family? Um, living day to day, living and um, allowing them to see our marriage, allowing them to see um, just the way that we live every single day. Because we moved to Vianne and we are not surrounded by churches um, or Christians or um, people that. I don't know. Um, There's a lot of cultural Christianity that doesn't bear fruit. And it's like, there's so much confusion in the way kids should live and the way that they need to be loved. And that was a, that's a big barrier. It's been here forever. I grew up in the same situation. It's like, we kind of, I mean, not us only, but God is tearing down um, religion. Let's just say that awesome. and, and really and really building up this community with love. And we're actually getting to see um, that within a generation that, or two generations that's below us, you know, and go ahead. And it's intentionally reaching out to to girls, to boys. Mm-hmm. I mean, we you know, when we first came here, we started a Wednesday night um, where we would have almost 100 kids every Wednesday night. There's not um, I'm not I wouldn't say there's not a church that doesn't do that but we I mean we had kids from all those churches we had kids that don't go to church we had kids that their kid their parents don't believe in in God there we had everyone coming together and that's what they saw us living they mm-hmm. saw the way 
um, they saw us argue, they saw us make up, they saw us like, you know, looking at each other like, and, and we'll talk about this later, or you know what I mean? Like they I saw a real life marriage. They, yeah. they right. got to see that. And, and even in our kids, like they got to see the way that our kids live um, and they're not perfect. And they saw that, you know, they saw that. Um, and that's what is, as a lot of the problem here um, is there's a lot of rules and if you don't follow those rules, then you might not be a Christian or you might not be going to heaven or you, I mean, and it's just all these things. And we just would step back and be like, no, come, come, come here. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you see our kids, you see us come here and live with us. You know, like, right. um, we don't want those rules or whatever you might be doing on the weekends or, or after you leave here to keep you from coming here. Like mm. we, we are not perfect. And and we want you to understand that you don't have to be perfect, but God will do things in your life regardless. Mm. Come here and, and, and live with us or, you know, do life with us. And so that was how we intentionally, and, and even now is having conversations with people, mm-hmm. is um, putting down the rules and putting them aside and saying, let's, let's do life together and let's figure this out together because we are still figuring it out every day. And if, if my faith and my beliefs don't change all the time on, on different like levels, then I, I don't think that, you know, I mean, I just know how much we've changed since we've gotten here. Just knowing that those rules are killing people. Those rules are killing their hearts. Those rules are killing families. Those rules are um, making people turn away from the church and never want to look back. And it has broken my heart to see people that I I truly believe that they love Jesus, but they're so caught up on wanting perfection in actions that they can't love other people. And so that's one thing that I feel like intentionally we do. Well, you guys, you, you guys talked about your, your focus is relationship, Mm -hmm. right? And Jesus actually, when he was talking to the Pharisees, he actually says, these rules that you are putting on these people are, are crushing them. He says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. And yeah. that's what you guys are, the atmosphere is you're creating. Loving God and loving people. Loving God and loving people. <laughs> that's that's it. You guys have that on a sign somewhere? I, I, I just picture that on a sign somewhere in your guys' house. Um, um, but it, you guys are, are creating, which I love hearing this. You guys are creating unity within your town which is jesus's you know he said so many times his number one prayer is that we would be one right however we are seeing a lot of division in our world and in our country i mean it seems like everybody is divided in in some way shape or form how do you all see sports and faith being able to unite a divided world I, I, I'm, I'm glad that God created sports to be so great. Obviously, it's about the only thing where you can see people come together and really don't even know what color they are um, mm-hmm. whenever you see a huddle. And I, I use the analogy all the time. Whenever God made our huddle at Vianne, I tell our kids that. He didn't, he didn't go in there and say, well, I need three black kids, four white kids, two <laughs> Indians, and, you know, a black coach, an Indian coach, and a white coach to lead this team toward greatness because we, we talk about chasing greatness. And it's not about a trophy. 
it has to be the purity of your heart and your focus on Christ. And that's what, if you pursue that more than you pursue anything else in your life, greatness will be among you. And that's what we try to tell our players. And we see it. I mean, I see that sports, God transcends all boundaries, I think, with sports. And I think it's the only thing. I mean, because if you want to mix in politics, if you want to mix in what the police brutal, all of that type of stuff, it's created to divide. And I said, until we start labeling everything good and evil, because that's the simple part mm. of it, instead of, you know, Antifa or Democrat or Republican, you put all these labels on stuff. And if you don't just label it good and evil, then we get focused on, we'll become racist and we'll become, ra you know, racism become a big deal. And Sarah, you and I have had those conversations where, yeah, it's bad some of the things that we went through, but at the end of the day, it's good and evil. Right. I mean, I don't care how you label it, but we have to label things good and evil. And that's what we tr I try to say, we want to live without any labels. If you label me something, don't even call me a Christian. Call me a follower of Christ. Mm. You know what I mean? Because sure. that Christian label now gets you grouped in with a lot of people <laughs> might not believe the same way you believe. So right, at the end of the right. day, just call me a follower of Christ. If I'm doing that more than I'm using that Christian jersey that we throw on all the time, I mean, that's where I feel like that we could truly make a difference because labels, I think, hurts our world. Amen. So true. It's like, it's, it's almost like clickish, right? Yes. And, and I mean, we have had these ongoing conversations with the, with the struggles of the world, which I think are... Um, we're not choosing conversations. We're choosing social media platforms and comments instead of conversations. And so I think it's so important that we have these continually conversations with other followers of Christ, right? Because yes. that's who is supposed to be united. So with everything that's going on in our world, how as a follower of Christ, how do we react to what's going on in our world? What, what are some ways um, uh, uh, that you guys have seen that is beneficial of how can we, in a positive way um, that honors Christ, how, we, how can we react with what's going on in our world to reflect Christ? I think as, as for us, it's asking questions. It's um, getting to know um, the hearts of the people that are hurting. It's getting to know the hearts of the people that are angry. It's getting to know, um, like, our friends that we know love Jesus that are saying the stupidest things. Like, <laughs> where, where did that come from? And do you understand what you're doing to those that have no idea what you're talking about? You know, the ones that, um, that don't know who Jesus is. If they see this, they don't want a part of that. And they don't want... Um, and they're running from that. And we, we live day to day with people that are struggling with that. They're like, mm -hmm. okay, well, they say that they love Jesus, but they won't even do this. They won't no. even do that. I, and and an apology every day. Yes, yes, they are. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry yeah. that you have to see that and that you have to hear that, but that is not who Jesus is. And it's, but it's those conversations that I walk away from and I'm like, God, you have put us here. You have started these conversations you have um showed us how to love because the way that you've loved us not because we're good not because um we've done anything right mm -hmm. but it's because the way you've loved us mm -hmm. and and the way that you've sent other people to love us 
And so I think that's a gift that God has given Kenyatta and I is just to kind of sit back and listen and observe and to love. Like Mm -hmm. he loves people to a point where they love him back immediately. And, and it's seeing, um, like a a few months ago, one of our friends, the sister of, um, real, a family that has really been intentional in Kenyatta's life of to love him. Um, she's not a, she doesn't believe, you know, she's an atheist and she says, she'll tell you I'm an atheist. And, um, we went to dinner with him and she said, Kenyatta, can you pray? You almost had me wanting to be a Christian. <laughs> and do you know, I mean, like, I just wanted to be like, oh, I mean, you know, like, but I was like, well, that'll really freak her out. So we won't do that. But Play it cool. Excitement in my heart to see God loving others through Kenyatta to a point where that's what changes hearts. Not me arguing with you over the abortion raid or the, I don't know, just the things that, that that's so true. That it, what, it, what you're posting, that is so true, but it's you not necessary for you to, it. yeah, no. it's not necessary for you to post that because nobody is listening to you anymore because you said that you love Jesus and you're being so ugly. I mean, so I can't, Jesus, yeah. Jesus says, right? He will, we will, people will know us by our love, not by our social media content or our comments, <laughs> but they will, he, uh, people will know we are Christians. We are followers of his by how we love. And you guys are definitely showing that. That mm. is just so encouraging. You guys are inspiring to us and we love you for it. We do. Thank you. We're, we're far from perfect. We're good, but we're, we try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we know that that's what God has planted us here yeah. for. I love it. Thank you guys for sharing your hearts. Yeah, that is um, inspiring. Awesome. Listen to you too. Oh, it really is. Like I, I just, you guys want to move to Georgia? <laughs> um, there's a lot of people here that could use some of that Amber and Kenyatta right love. Um, I guess we'll just have to step in um, and follow you all's lead, right? Um, well, we have come to one of our favorite parts of the show, and we're going to um, end our time together with the two-minute drill. So um, this is just some rapid questions, fun questions that we're going to. For both of you. Yeah, for yeah, both of you. Both of you answer. Yes, both of you answer them. And so are you guys ready to play the two-minute drill? So I'll, I'll get the timer going. And we'll just, we'll get through what we can in the two minutes. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Okay, here we let's go. Let's go. Okay. If you had to eat at one restaurant for an entire year, which restaurant would you choose? Benihana. Mm. Oh, that was easy. My kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Amber, right. you're saying you're a really good cook. That's fantastic. <laughs> okay, what is one word to describe your spouse? Loving. That's what I was going to say, love, or, yeah, kindness. Mm. Okay, what is you all's favorite sports movie? Um, I don't know. I like, uh, mine is Space Jam. Oh, my. <laughs> I was thinking like Friday Night Lights. Or, is that a movie? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, what is one place you want to visit that you've never been to? I want to go to Utah. Like, oh, okay. Like all the Zion National yeah, Park, all the national parks in Utah. Okay. Maybe Alaska. Ah. Nice. 
Okay, what is your favorite dessert? Cheesecake. Mine is uh, strawberry cake made by Suzanne. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is the greatest advice you have ever received? That no one will love my children like I do, so make them listen. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Aww. Yeah. Um, where was your first date? Forrest Gump. Yeah, we went to the movies in Muskogee to watch yeah. Forrest Gump. And oh. he wore house shoes. He wore house shoes for our first date. <laughs> <laughs> and we're married. <laughs> okay, last one. You got to go quick. Favorite verse? Um, Ephesians 3.20. Mom's Romans 8.28. Uh, ah. <laughs> oh, okay, our, our guests are going to have to look those up. We'll get them into the word right there, right? Um, thank you, guys. Oh, that's fantastic. Appreciate you. Thank you, thank you for Both joining you us on Huddle Up. Um, we cannot wait to share you all's stories, your hearts, and maybe, just maybe, um, encourage other people in this divided world to keep having conversations yes. and love like mm -hmm. Jesus, right? Yes. yes. That's all we and, can do. And just know you, you have a son playing in the SEC now. Yeah. We are living in SEC country. So if you, <laughs> come, you need a place Atlanta to stay. Atlanta is a lot easier, too, from Tulsa. That's <laughs> right. So you got a place to stay if you ever come this way. Awesome. Appreciate uh, that. Well, until next time, when we share more people's stories and hear about God's in Huddle Up. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Sarah and I love getting to share other people's stories. If you could just do us a couple favors. One, if you could just subscribe to the Huddle Up with Chris and Sarah podcast. Two, review it. If you liked it, you didn't like it, or somewhere in between, that just really helps us to develop the content and just the questions that we ask our guests. And third, just share it. If it's something that you enjoyed or administered to you or you think others would like it, please just share it with them. And until next time, when you huddle up with Chris and Sarah Roberts.